Awesome. Would you stand to your feet? We honor God's word. We're in a series right now. Anybody know the name of our series? Better Together. And we come out of the book of Ephesians. Uh, I've got the first text, Ephesians chapter 2, that's going to come up on the screen. Our custom is we read this together, and then we'll, we'll go to the text uh, that, we'll, that we'll be receiving from today. But let's read this together on the count of three. One, two, three. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together, we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. And if you'll turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. It's a very familiar passage. Some of you may know it by heart. Maybe you've had a parent quote it to you growing up. Ephesians chapter 6 in verse 1, and it says this out of the New King James. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Hallelujah. For this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Let's pray. Let's ask the Lord's hand on this time. Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is truth and it is light and it is life for each and every one of us. I pray, mighty God, that you would open us to your word. Mighty God, I pray any, any word of my wisdom or natural understanding would just fall to the ground. But Lord, that which is ordained by your spirit, that which is life-giving and of you, Lord, I pray that it would minister to our hearts, that it would bring life and change and transformation in each and every one of us. Lord, bless this time as we open your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now, you may think that you've got a grasp on this, on this passage, but... I want to tell you, this is one of the most important principles, I think, in all of the Bible. And I don't want you, I know we've got young people, you're not yet parents, and I know we've got some older people, your kids are already grown and out of the house. I want everybody to tune in to the things that I'm about to share. Because this is incredibly important, whether you're a parent now, maybe you have no desire to be in the natural, but there is an epidemic and there is an outright assault on the family unit as we know it today. I find it interesting. I've been preaching now for a little over 16 years. I've been in full-time ministry for about 15. And uh, I've preached often about family and about marriage. I'm always telling people, uh, you know, we've got some young couples, they're engaged, or some that are just getting married. And I always am sure to tell people, Marriage is awesome. I love being married. Don't listen to anybody who says, oh, the first year is horrible, it's terrible. I feel like you set people up for disaster. I love being married, man. My wife is the most amazing. I get to have slumber parties every single night, and it's the best thing ever. I love it. Get married. Enjoy your marriage. It's wonderful. Being a parent, being a dad is so awesome. In fact, we got to, you know, we got to watch. I can feel I'm... 
I'm going to stay on track today, but let me just share you a fun story here. You know, we, we got to watch uh, little Samson for the last couple days. You know that uh, uh, the reason that, that Grandpa Henry and Mama Lucy came in town is because uh, Minister Rylin and Leah just had their second child. Yeah. I don't know if I'm allowed to say the name, so I won't. Oh, it's on Facebook and, and all that. Uh, uh, Eden Ray Baldonado. Uh, so you got to go check it out. It looks like a female version of Samson. So sweet. But uh, anyway, Samson was with us. And, you know, Samson is, is he two? He's two? On Wednesday, he turns two. And, you know, Samson, I, I walk in the house and Samson's excited to see me. He runs up and yay! And I'm like, why don't my kids do that anymore? Now they're just, they just sit there on the couch, you know. Oh, hey, you know. Anyway. I miss having little kids. I don't know why I shared that, but little kids are awesome, man. Being a parent is awesome. You ought to enjoy this. Uh, and so, you know, but what I've noticed is there is a, there's a movement right now, you know, where people want to shift the meaning. Well, maybe this is what a family looks like. People don't have to be married. It doesn't have to be a man and a woman. You don't have to, 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 to assume the gender of a child. There's so many things that are happening today. That even a decade ago, 15 years ago, I'm sure some of you have been around for 30, 40, 50 years. You look at what's going on today. And if you have a biblical worldview, you're looking at this thinking, what in the world is going on? Anybody know what I'm talking about? This is intentional. And this is important. I want you to understand, I am not coming today with some, you know, desire to bash on gay people or anything like that. I, we, we've ministered in that realm, and I have a deep love for that. What I'm talking about today goes a lot deeper than, than some of those issues here. There is an outright, an intentional agenda to undermine what God calls a biblical family. And you're going to see, even here within the confines of Scripture, that, that the biblical family is the greatest foundation for success in life and success in family, for God's blessing and for your success in your day-to-day -day life. This is hugely important, church. And we're going to look at this together. Uh, in our Better Together series, I'll just make this statement. Families are better when they stay together. Families are better together. Um, did you know, I saw some statistics this last week, 90% of homeless and run runaway children are from fatherless and broken homes. You can't tell me that parents don't matter. 85% of children with behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. 71% of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. Chemical abuse, 75% come from broken, divided families. I could go on and on. Did you know there's a 700% increase in teen pregnancies with young girls who do not grow up with a father in their life? 700%. You can't tell me that godly parents don't matter. And again, I'm not coming with some agenda or hating on any particular thing. There is an agenda from Satan. It comes straight from hell to undermine the family unit. If we can destroy marriages, if we can redefine marriages or how children operate towards their families, then I'm telling you it's going to destroy, it'll destroy our world. 
It'll destroy everything. Healthy and whole families matter. And that's what we're going to talk about. It's interesting. Even within the Ten Commandments. Did you notice? There's only one commandment in the Bible that actually deals with family. And it's this one that, that Paul mentions right here. Why? Because if we can learn to honor and obey our family, our parents, it will establish a firm foundation for the entire family, even generational blessings. If you can understand this one principle that I'm going to present today, it's going to provide a foundation for God's blessing on you, on your grandbabies, many generations to come. Amen? Now, in verse 1, it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Now, again, I, I know some, you may check out because well, I'm not a parent. or My kids are already grown. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians, he says, you know, we've got a whole lot of teachers, thousands of cheat teachers. We don't have many fathers. In this fatherless generation, I'm telling you one of the greatest needs, it's so desperately needed, is a need for spiritual fathers and mothers to rise up. I'm the product of a broken home. I'm the product of a divided marriage. I don't know who, I've never met my biological father. He went and started new families every couple of years. That's where you get Minister Jeremy, who was with us a couple weeks ago. That's my brother. We've got the same father. He doesn't know our father. But, uh, you know, all of this brokenness has come. And the only reason that I'm standing before you today is because I've had incredible fathers in the faith, who took me under their wing and poured into me. And I have lived my life understanding that there is a blessing and there is a protection that comes with spiritual covering. In fact, my wife, when we were being discipled, I remember uh, we, we had taken a ministry position. We were pastoring for about seven years in southern Illinois. We felt like that season was nearly over. And so I went and, and, I, and I went and sat in the parking lot of my mentor a great man of God by the name of Steve Hill. And I remember I told my wife, I said, now listen, if Pastor Steve says that we need to stay in this church, we're going to stay. But if he says that we need to come, he said, if he wants me to come and travel with him and shine his shoes before he gets up to preach, then that's what we're going to do. I'd already been in ministry seven years. But I understood the blessing and the benefit of being under spiritual covering. And we sat down with him. He gave us some instruction. You understand, even though my spiritual father is, he's, he's dead now. He's with the Lord. He's gone, to, he's gone on to his reward. But I have remained under spiritual covering. Today, I've got Papa Morocco, Daddy Morocco. And if Dr. Morocco comes to me and says, Jacob, this is what you need to do. I say, yes, sir. Why? I could run my own thing. I could run my own church. We've done that before. I'm telling you, church, there is blessing under a covering. There is God's favor on you when you come under a covering, and we're going to talk about that. So when he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, some have translated that. In fact, Matthew Henry said in his, in his commentary, the proper translation would be something like, obey your parents because the Lord commanded it. Now, that's important because some of you might look at your parents and you say, well, they're not even saved. Or, I don't, they don't even know as much as I do. Or they, you get some reason why you shouldn't obey them. No, you obey them because the Bible says to obey them. Are you hearing me today? 
Now, I know I'm looking around the room and most of you are out of your parents' household already, but there's still a, there's still a measure of honor and respect that can go towards it. And, and parents, you can teach your kids this. Hallelujah. You're going to obey me because the Bible says so, right? No, maybe you shouldn't talk like that. Don't provoke your kids to wrath. I think that's in this passage as well. The other thing, it says children obey your parents in the Lord. And so there is a, there's some commentators who take that to say that you honor the parents that the Lord has brought into your life. If you have a stepfather, you honor them as the parent that the Lord has brought into your life. Maybe your grandparents raised you. You honor them as those whom the Lord has appointed as your parents. Maybe you didn't have either one of those things and a pastoral figure or a coach or somebody is that individual. You honor and you obey those authorities that the Lord has placed in your life. Here's why. I've got three things that, that flow from, from this structure. It's incredible. Number one, obedience ensures a divine blessing. Obedience ensures a divine blessing. And can I just tell you, obedience is best learned at home. Because if your child doesn't learn how to obey in the home, there's going to be some point in time where obedience is going to be forced upon them. Where a school teacher will make them obey, or a principal, or God forbid, a cop or someone will come along and you will learn obedience if you're going to be functional in life one way or another. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I remember my son, my wife, you know, she's very patient and she did an excellent job with my children, especially when they were little. I remember Gabriel being about two years old. Now, Gabriel was very active, very energetic. Uh, but we believe in family dinner. So we'd sit down at night and we'd share a meal together and we look each other in the eyes and we talk to each other. But Gabriel gets a little squirmy if he doesn't have food in front of him. And when he gets squirmy, he wants to stand up. And so my wife early on, I mean, he's probably, you know, barely able to stand up, you know, one, maybe, uh, you know, approaching two years old. And Leah teaches him two words. Sit down. Gabriel sit down ah, you know and he just he fussed back and I, sit down but she taught him those words she's instilling in my son what's the big deal I mean it's a dinner table he's done eating he's one he's one and a half what's the big deal I am thankful that my wife taught him this concept of obedience I'll never forget there was a time we were walking out of McDonald's and Gabriel's about two years old he's walking by this time and he sees our car across the parking lot. And so he begins to bolt for our car. I remember as he's running across the parking lot, I see a truck pull into that parking lot. And they're just ripping through that parking lot. And immediately I say, Gabriel, stop. Just like that. You know what my son did? He stopped. He didn't argue, well, I want to get to the car. He didn't have his own opinion because we had instilled obedience in my son. And you want to know something? The Bible says if you obey, you will have a long life. You see how that's connected? My son literally did not die because he learned to obey. And I'm telling you, the reason the Bible institutes these, these concepts in Scripture, 
I, I understand. There's things in the Bible, listen, I'm not a big fan of. You ever read things in the Bible that you just like, I just wish I didn't have to do that? I was reading the other day, if a brother is offended at you, leave your sacrifice at the altar, go and be reconciled to them. I'm like, they're the ones that offended. I didn't do anything. Why do I have to go and apologize? Why do I have to go and be? I wish that wasn't in the Bible. Anybody with me on that? You ever see stuff that is just like, God, why? Why do I, I don't want to do that. But here's what you got to understand. Every house has rules. You know, even right now, you go to certain restaurants, you go to certain places, there's some that are just, you know, rigid about, you got to put on your mask. You cannot come in here. You cannot shop in our store unless you got a mask. I hate masks. I absolutely despise. That's my belief. It's my opinion. But at the end of the day, I'm not allowed to go to Costco unless I wear that stupid mask. Now, this is a goofy illustration, but I'm telling you, the Bible has standards. And I may not like some of the things that the Bible has to say. I may have differing opinions even about what the Bible has to say. But at the end of the day, in God's house, in God's kingdom, if I'm going to be received, it doesn't matter what my opinion or my personal belief is. What matters is what does the word of God have to say about it? Are you hearing me today, church? So we're going to learn to obey. And it will ensure a divine blessing. You will live a long life if you learn to obey what the Word of God has to say. And I know you don't like disciplining your children. I know you don't like bringing correction. I had to do that once this last week, and I hated it. Oh, I didn't want to do it. The Bible says that if you spare the rod or if you withhold the rod, you hate your child. You ever thought about that? You feel like you're loving them by not whooping them. You know what I'm talking about? But here's what I believe about that passage in particular. If you allow your children to run just however they want to, they live their own lives, they dominate, they, you are setting them on a trajectory for failure in their life. And for you to intentionally withhold obedience or discipline and allow them to go through life thinking that whatever they feel like is just fine with them, you are setting them on a path for failure. That's hatred, friend. That's hatred. You are despising your child if you refuse to raise them in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. Hallelujah. If, uh, you know, if this is getting heavy for you, it's going to get better. Okay, here we go. Verse number two, honor your father and mother. Everybody say honor. honor. Honor your father and mother. Here's the second point. Honor ensures divine favor. Honor ensures divine favor. And I'm going to show you this through scripture. Obedience is expressed in your actions. Honor is expressed in your attitude. You ever meet someone that, you know, they obey, but they got a stink attitude the whole time they're doing it? Make you want to smack them, right? <laughs> Jesus even talked about this. There was a passage in, in Matthew, uh, in, in, in the Gospel of Matthew, ch chapter 21. Jesus, he talks about a father who goes to two of his sons. And he says, I want you guys to go work in the vineyard. One of the brothers says, no. He leaves. Later, he feels bad, and he goes to work. The other one, he says, sure, father, I'll go. And then he doesn't. You guys ever heard this parable? 
And he asks his disciples, he says, which one of them do you think was obedient? And they said, the one who said no, but ended up going. You'll see two components in this story. There's honor. Yes, Father, I'll go. Fake honor. And obedience. One of them went and actually did what the Father asked of them. What is the attitude of our heart? Jesus goes on to share in that same passage. You guys understand tax collectors and prostitutes are going to make it into the kingdom of God before some of these others? Why? Because some of them have enough honor with God. They understand the decisions I'm making is wrong. What Jesus is saying is right. And they obey what Jesus has to say. Honor in obedience. Now, I'm going to help some of you guys out. The Bible says, the Bible says that there's two blessings, actually, that it may go well with you and you may live long on the earth. That's actually two blessings that are attached to this concept right here. How many know it would be terrible to live a long, horrible life? I think it would also be tragic if you live a wonderful life, but it's cut short. Obedience is connected to the long life piece. Our honor is connected to our favor, and it will go well with you. If you want, to, if you want it to be good, it will go well with you. And well, where do you see that? The Bible says that God shows favor on those who honor him in Psalm 145 in verse 19. Favor and honor are connected. You want favor in life? Learn how to honor. You see that as well in Proverbs 18, 16. This is one of my wife's favorite verses. It says, a man's gift will make room for him, and it brings him before great men. You want to have an audience with people of influence? Learn to be a gift giver. Honor that person. Go to a house with a gift when you go to visit somebody. You're going to, I'm telling you, their opinion of you is going to rise just because you honor them with a gift. Honor, I'm telling you, my friend, it has saved me so much trouble in my life. I'm, I'm you know, maybe my wife's example is better. You know, last night she got pulled over by a cop. <laughs> Hallelujah. She saw that yellow light and she thought, I can make it. She thought it meant speed up. And so she goes and she gets pulled over. And, uh, you know, so what happens is um, my wife, now she could have sat there, and that's a stupid law, and she could have thrown a, an attitude and rolled her eyes when the cop came over there and, you know, been all stink with him, but she wasn't. She was honorable. She was apologetic. She was repentant even towards that, that officer. She honored the authority that that man had. And he let her go. He let her go. Hallelujah. And so no ticket. You know, I can't even tell you how many times, you know, if I had times where I'm, you know, sitting. Just, just give you a picture of the kind of guy I used to be. The Lord has transformed me, you know. There's times that I get arrested, and I'd be sitting across from a cop, me and my knucklehead buddy for whatever we'd been doing. And, uh, and I'm watching, and I'm, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I understand, officer. Yes, sir. And I'm just, I'm putting on my most honorable. And my buddy's sitting next to me. So stupid, you know, cussing and just being rude and all this kind of. I'm like, you dummy. This is the guy who's going to decide if we get thrown away or whether we get out here tonight. You understand? 
There was an honor. And I'm telling you, I got out of so much trouble because I knew how to honor my principal. I knew how to honor my parents. You know, me and my brother sitting there and they're decided, are they going to whoop us or are they going to let us go? My brother didn't know how to control his attitude. Hallelujah. And, uh, you know, here I am. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. I'm being honorable. And I got away, and then I'd listen to them spank my brother in the other room. I'm telling you guys, if, if you take one thing away from this message today, learn how to honor. Learn how to honor. You want to get promoted over people that are more experienced than you? Honor. I mean, I could, I, I could give you so much. Honor. Honor. And obey. And here's the last part. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. You'll notice there's actually a shift in the focus on this. The previous verses have all been how, how children are to act towards people of authority, towards their parents or those whom the Lord has appointed over their lives. But now there's a change. Now he's dealing with the fathers. Now he's dealing with the leaders and, and how they are to deal with their children. And so here's, here's the third thing if you're taking notes. First of all, we uh, honor, I'm sorry, obedience ensures divine blessing. Have you got that? Everybody say obedience. obedience. What's the second one? Anybody wrote it down? Yes, honor ensures divine favor. We want both of those things. Uh, and number three, leaders are responsible to make disciples. Leaders are responsible to make disciples. Now, I say leaders because the word that's used there in verse four, fathers, it actually is the same word that's used earlier in the passage saying Parents, children, obey your parents in the Lord. And there's no reason to assume that this would be talking exclusively about fathers. Some historians have said that, you know, well, in this culture, it was typically the men who led strong. And so they, they, they geared it towards the father. And that's probably true. Uh, but even Hebrews 11, 23 uses the same word. Uh, the same Greek word there to describe both of Moses' parents. In fact, the emphasis is actually on Moses' mother. And my point is this, to break down the Greek. The point is, this is talking about all parents. Whether you're spiritual parents, whether you're natural parents, whether you're a mom, whether you're a dad, there is a right way to parent and there is a wrong way to parent. In this fatherless generation, I'm telling you, we need some men who will rise up and be fathers to the fatherless. We need some women who will rise up and be mothers to the motherless. We absolutely need it. And all this talk about honor and obedience. I know that there's some who might be hearing this and you're ready to go and you're ready to, to set the record straight with your kids. You need to honor me and you need to obey me. But he warns us. The scripture warns us. This is not a domineering or an authoritative sort of thing. Understand, your children are a reflection of who you are. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, I, I will oftentimes measure. You can say judge, whatever. Uh, but I will often look. If somebody would talk big about themselves, and I'm such a great minister, and I'm such a great man of God, I will quickly look at their wife and their children. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It speaks volumes to me. 
that Pastor Colleen still adores her husband after 50 years in ministry, and that three out of three of their kids are all in the ministry and still love the church. That means a lot to me, friend. That means that he didn't just preach it from the pulpit, he lived it in the home. You understand what I'm saying? You can talk, you can hear from people, they talk a big game, but you look and their wife looks like the most miserable thing you've ever seen in your life. And that says something about what probably goes on in the home. And I understand, people make their own decisions. Your kids will ultimately make their own choices. And maybe you got several that are serving the Lord and hard after them, and you got one that's away. I'm not necessarily trying to put guilt on anybody, you understand. But our children are a reflection of us. Even our spiritual sons and daughters, I love, you know, I'm watching now, Kama put out this YouTube uh, video series, and, you know, he's doing devotions, and uh, he's like, Pastor, I pay attention to the way you talk and the way you read your scriptures. You know, I hope, I, I mean, I'm flattered. I, you know, I started crying when these guys were telling me about how I've inspired them this last week and everything. And I, but I would hope that as people hang around this ministry, they start worshiping like our worshipers do. As you go get in these life groups and then you start being a reflection of some of the qualities and the strengths and attributes, the gifts that are expressed in these life groups in our different ministries. Are you understanding what I'm saying today? We're going to be that kind of people. Now, if we're nothing but rule bringers, we're going to push people away. We're going to push them to wrath. It will provoke them to rebellion. You've seen kids grow up in strict households and they rebel the minute that they taste freedom. It's probably because they grew up with a lot of authority, but little fathering. But if there's love, even correction will bring a son or daughter closer. I was watching Minister Rylin again this last week. Could I get my piano to come and we're going to come to a close here. I was watching Minister Ryland. I was proud of him, man. Because we were, we were in our prayer meeting, and Samson, you know, Samson's energetic, man. He's a, he's a ball of fire. And uh, Samson, I don't even know what it was, but he grabbed something or knocked something down that he'd already been told no, right? And so he did this thing, and it was pretty blatant that he was disobeying. And so, like a good father, lovingly, went to his son and smacked his hand. Now Samson began to cry. And here's what was very interesting. I'd forgotten this. My kids used to do the same thing. The minute that he smacked his hand, Samson immediately breaks and begins crying. But then what does he do? He runs to his father and embraces him. Why? Authoritarian disciplinary, you know, this, these kinds of domineering correction, it will reject a child. It will push them to rebellion, to wrath, the Bible says. But if there's the loving embrace of the father, even correction will draw them closer. Don't try and correct people you don't love. Don't try and bring instruction to someone you're not willing to walk in life with. That's fathering. That's mothering. We're going to be that kind of people. Now, as I close, I got one little illustration for you. I've got here a, a little spear that one of my buddies, Ryan, made for my son, Gabriel. 
The Bible says, Proverbs 127:4, that children are a heritage from the Lord, their offspring a reward for him, like arrows in the hands of a warrior, children are in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Let me just point out something to you. When you're a parent, you've got a quiver full of arrows. When you have sons and daughters, whether in the natural or whether in the spiritual, you have a quiver. You have a bow. They are the arrow. If you look at this thing, this tip of the spear of this arrow was at one time a rock. It had no form. It had no shape. But what happened is he goes through this process. I believe it's called flint napping and he literally just beat away and chip away at this thing. I mean, it's aggressive and it's hard and it, and it breaks this thing. But over time, thousands of impacts, this is what's produced. This is sharp. It could cut you. You look at this stick. There was one time, that's all it was, was a stick. Probably wasn't as straight as what it is. Probably had other limbs that were growing off of it. But what happened is he cuts away at this thing. He shapes this to what it's supposed to be. You know, if you were to turn an arrow, you'd put feathers in it. Because there's a time where you launch the arrow. And how straight it flies is determined on the process that went into preparing the arrow. Some of us wonder why our kids go off sideways. We never discipline. We never put anything into them. We never cut anything off of them. We just hope, well, they're just, they'll just figure it out along the way. And they go launch out into the world, and you wonder why they fly off sideways. The effectiveness of the arrows that the Lord has given us is determined on how you and I parent them. It's very important. It's not pleasant. I hate bringing correction to my kids. But I love what it produces in them. I don't like bringing correction. I don't, you, you, you guys understand. Even saying things like I was this morning about biblical standards and marriage. and I don't get joy. Some pastors may like preaching about sin and beating people down over that. I'm not one of those guys. I don't enjoy it. But I do it. Because I know there's some here today. It chipped away a wrong thought that you had going on in your mind. It straightened some things out that just weren't in alignment. Because my desire is to make you effective and useful in God's kingdom. I want you flying straight, man. I want you to be effective. I want you to do damage to the kingdom of hell. I want you to be effective for the Lord's use. And that's why I'll share the things that I will. Well, would you stand to your feet? We're going to close in a word of prayer. We need the Lord to help us with this. Honor's in the heart, and you may not feel like you honor people, but the Lord will help you if you ask Him to. You know, I want to pray. I want to ask the Lord to really begin to intervene in the family unit. How many understand marriage is worth fighting for? Marriage is worth praying for. Sons and daughters living for the Lord. Something we got to contend for. Something we got to push for.
we just begin to pray and ask the Lord to intervene in our nation on behalf of our people. Come on. If you have the liberty, you pray in the Holy Ghost. You pray in your understanding. However you feel at liberty. Lord, we just lift up our voice right now. And we cry out, Lord, for you to intervene. Jesus, we're looking at a fatherless generation. We're looking at a generation that has no desire to be married. And if they are married, it's a, it's a little, it's a, it's a flippant sort of thing. We'll just throw it away if it becomes an irritation or difficult. God, I'm asking that you would instill in us the standard of the Word of God. That, Lord, that which you value, we would value. That which you esteem and you honor, that we would esteem and we would honor. God, I come against every assault of the enemy. That which is trying to come against marriages. That which is trying to come against families. That which is trying to derail sons and daughters. And then, Lord, and push out a fatherless and a motherless generation. God, I'm asking that you would move and that you would intervene. Your word said that you would be a father to the fatherless, oh Lord. You said that you would adopt with the spirit of adoption whereby we could cry, Abba, Daddy, Father. Lord, I'm asking that you would release the spirit of adoption. Let it flow in this house and through our lives. Lord, show us people that are fatherless, that are motherless, that we could be a presence in their life. Almighty God, help us to be the parents. Help us to be the husbands. Help us to be the sons and daughters that you've called us to be. Oh, Lord, I know we can't change everything today, but we can do something today. And so I ask you to help us. Give us marching orders, Lord, and we'll be sure to obey you, mighty God. Oh, Lord, God, I pray that you would put it in the hearts of individuals all across this room to be spiritual fathers and mothers to those who have never had that. Let us see people through your eyes, O oh Lord. Let us see people the way that you do, their gift, their call, their potential. And help us, Lord, to draw it out of them. Almighty God, we ask you do something different. Do something different through this people, through this house. Almighty God. Almighty God. about how individuals are drawn to the Lord at times through godly jealousy. And I'm praying that there's going to be times where people look at your marriage and they say, how are you guys so happy? I've never seen a couple so in love. And you've been married 30 years. How do you still love each other? Jesus. Man, your kids are amazing. They're serving the Lord. They're going, how is that possible? Jesus. I'm telling you guys, people can be drawn. Your, your family is a testimony. I can't even tell you how many times I have my son and daughter up on stage prophesying this last Tuesday night. And I have so many people like, that's amazing. We're going to model this thing. One more thing I need to do is very important. With every head bowed, everyone pray. Maybe you're here today. And you don't know the Lord. You're not walking with Him the way that you ought to. And if today was the day that you were to stand before God on Judgment Day, the Bible says we'll all give an account for our lives. 
And it's not going to be my opinion. It's not going to be my thought process, but it's going to be the Lord's standard that matters on that day. And maybe you're standing here today, maybe you came to church or you're watching us online and you say, Pastor, I'm not sure that if I were to stand before God that I'd make it into heaven. Well, The Bible says that Jesus shed his blood 2,000 years ago for every person who would believe on him. The Bible says that even while we were sinners, Jesus died for us. He died for you knowing how badly you'd mess up, how far you'd go, and he still died for you because he loves you. And the Bible says that he's willing that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. Jesus doesn't want anybody in hell. I don't want anybody going to hell. The Bible says that if we would call on the name of the Lord Jesus, we would be saved. That if we would confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we would believe in our heart that he was raised from the dead, we would be saved. You can leave here today knowing that you're right with God and you're on your way to heaven. If you say, Pastor, I want you to include me in your prayer. I want to be sure that I'm right with God before I leave here today. Nobody looking around. But at the count of three, if you say, include me in your prayer, I want you to lift your hand so I know who I'm praying for today. The count of three. One, two, three. Hands up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Are there others? Just show me your hand. I see you there. I see you back there. I see you there, my brother. Are there others? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can we all just lift our hands right now all across this room? And I want you to pray this right out loud with me. Pray, dear Jesus. Everybody out loud. Dear Jesus. I ask you, Lord, to forgive me. I have sinned. I've fallen short of your holy standard. But I thank you. You shed your blood. You died for my sin. You rose from the dead. And you're coming back soon. I believe what you did on that cross, you did for me. I receive your forgiveness. I receive the washing of my sin. I ask you, make me brand new. Be my Savior. Be the Lord of my life. Be my very best friend. Live your life through me. Help me to obey you and to honor you with every action of my life. I give myself to you, Lord. Use me for your glory and your namesake. In your precious name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Oh, come on. Give God praise. Give God praise. Now listen, there were probably 15, 20 hands that went up when I, when I asked for that. Some of you I know already, uh, but some of you I don't or I'm just getting to know you. Outside in the hallway, there's a table that says next steps. And I would love, if you're making a decision to go after Jesus and maybe you're just beginning on this path and you're like, I don't even know how to begin. I don't got a Bible. I don't know how to pray. If that's where you're at, we're going to have some of our leaders that are out there. And I would love if you just go stop and talk to them. Or you can talk to me. I, I've got an open door policy, okay? I'll be right here right after this service. If you want to come talk to me, I'm here. 
I would love to do that. But you just make sure we're gonna we're gonna walk together. We're gonna do life together. Amen. Hallelujah. Leah, would you come? I want you to speak the blessing over us today. I'm done, man. Here you go. Would you just read? Come on, lift your hands, and, and my wife's gonna speak. Today I speak the blessings of God over you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As Abraham was blessed in every way, may God bless you in every detail of your life. As God blessed Jacob, changing his name to Israel, may your name, Christian, cause you to be fruitful and multiply in all that you set your hands to do. When you are tempted and tried, may you come come forth victoriously just as Job, resulting as twice as much as you had before. As you raise your children in the admonition of the Lord, may they in turn grow up godly, bringing honor to your family name. And when you honor God with your tithe, may financial and material blessings run you down and overtake you in every area of your life. May the devourer be rebuked and annihilated while others rise up and call you blessed. As you wait upon the Lord, obey his word, and seek him above all else, may the blessings of strength, courage, protection, and favor be your reward. May the Lord watch over your watch over and guard your going out and your coming in. King's Kona, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his light upon you and be gracious unto you and give you peace. I bless you in the, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give God praise. Praise God. We love you, church.